You're about to hear the 3CR community radio podcast of In Psychedelia. For more information on this show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the In Psychedelia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or find us on our website. Good afternoon, my name is Nick. This is In Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I hope you've wound those clocks forward just one hour. We are now in daylight savings time and what a day to bring in daylight savings time as well. Although, I don't know how many uh, people actually need to wind clocks uh, anymore. Every clock I looked at did it automatically and I, I kind of had to double check. What, did daylight savings happen overnight? So, you know, if you've got any windable clocks, go wind them up. Thank you to Freedom of Species. They'll be back next week from 1 o'clock, and you can get their podcast at the website, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links to the Freedom of Species page. While you're there, you can also head along to the Encyclopedia program page where you can find links to us on Facebook, on Twitter, and uh, at our website as well where you can get our email address and get in contact with us. Um, during this dis- uh, show, we do discuss a wide variety of issues uh, surrounding drugs. We neither condone nor condemn use and we aren't uh, here to talk about abstinence nor suggest that you commit a crime. We're trying to deliver uh, facts to you and also deliver things from uh, uh, from the frontiers of science and research where there's a lot of interesting stuff going on around um, lots of uh, lots of different kinds of drugs. Uh, coming up in the show, we will be catching up with Dr. Albert uh, Garcia-Romeo, and I keep pronouncing his name wrong. It's, you'll hear it later, but uh, he is a researcher from John Hopkins University of uh, Medicine in the U.S., and has uh, been researching the use of psilocybin, or the active ingredient in uh, magic mushrooms, uh, to treat people with tobacco addiction. We'll be catching up with him uh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, Also, we've got plenty of music uh, from Calicoma, Circuit Bent, and the Wednesday Experiment coming up, and uh, a little bit about a mushroom movie that is being produced over in the US, which looks to be quite interesting. That's all coming up. On in psychedelia. In psychedelia, news of the week. I don't condone or advocate that everyone should use illicit drugs. I think it's a, a huge decision made with the right amount of research and forethought. The intention is to discourage ICE use. The actual effect is it encourages the stigmatisation of people who use this drug. The risk there is people are less likely to disclose their use even when they're experiencing some issues, so they're less likely to access essential health services. The potential for harm increases. People feel hesitant to be open about who they are because they're afraid of judgment from family members or people at work or or just people in society in general. Many of them have conservative mindsets regardless of their politics uh, and will just say, oh well, then the, the, the government are not looking after us and therefore it seems a law and order issue rather than a, a social problem that needs to be dealt with on, on a public health basis. Drug news from Melbourne and around the world. And starting off our uh, drug news this week with some Australian stories. Good place to start, I think. Uh, News.com.au had a piece this week uh, documenting the work of Dr. Andrew Catalaris, who says, It's bizarre that in the 21st century we have to hide the production of life-saving medicine. 
Uh, Dr. Andrew Catalaris is the star of a new short YouTube documentary. It's only 15 minutes long, and it's called The Pot Doctor, where Dr. Catalaris talks about the use of cannabinoids for medical purpose, uh, medical purposes, especially for use with children. Cannabis drops can be given safely to children with aches and pains and fevers and things like that. Right? Yeah. Especially CBD cannabis is entirely safe. You have to think about the question you've just asked. You're asking me why do I provide life-saving medicine to kids with intractable serious diseases? Uh, <laughs> you'd have to be mad not to is the, is the answer, right? I mean, it's a sad reflection on our society that that question gets asked, right? I do it because I've luckily been given the indications and the intelligence to be able to do it. Right? But that's the reason why you do it. That should be self-evident to everyone. I've been mightily disappointed you know, when cops say, steal your plants or burn your farm and destroy valuable seed ge genetics that have been built up over years. Yeah, you're furious, but I mean, you have to manage it. I mean, we're dealing with a seriously hypocritical group of people. What it's taking is what we're doing. We're actually just going to create our own reality independent of the political process. We're not waiting for law reform. Right? We're establishing increasing numbers of grows, we're treating increasing numbers of patients and encouraging them on the road to health independence. So yeah, we're not really waiting. It would go faster forward, or forward a lot faster, if we could actually have the cooperation of an intelligent and compassionate government. But absent that, we have to do what we can do. Dr. Andrew Catalaris there, star of the YouTube documentary, The Pot Doctor. And you can find a link to that on our Facebook page, which you can find uh, by going to 3cr.org.au, following the links to our program page and then to the Facebook page. Get onto that YouTube documentary. Only 15 minutes long, so it's a short watch. Uh, the Coffs Coast Advocate this week was uh, uh, writing about um, the protest of a group called Polite. And Polite uh, was a group that, uh, comes out of Nimbin. Uh, they're from the Hemp Embassy who advocate for law reform. Uh, and they were formed in 2008 as a response to uh, the riot squad uh, turning up to, I, I believe they turned up to Nimbin Mardi Gras, which is the uh, celebration of cannabis uh, law reform and, and cannabis culture up there. Uh, Polite formed the next year uh, as a response for that. And this week they were in Lismore to protest the charges of 51 people charged for drug driving. Now, we've seen a lot of drug driving issues lately, and, and the drug driving issue is intimately linked to the problem that we have with the drug checking procedures. The, the checks that are used by the police currently do not, unlike alcohol blood, uh, blood uh, 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 breath testing, uh, test for impairment. When uh, people are tested uh, for drugs in their body, they can be found to have a positive even days and sometimes with, with a drug like cannabis, weeks after the person has used that substance, which means that the police are not removing people from the road who are impaired and dangerous to drive. They are removing people from the road and punishing people for a choice that they made that had no effect on their ability to drive at that point in time, which is uh, what the Hemp Embassy and Politer are Arguing. And Hemp Embassy President Michael Balderstone, Balderstone said, Cannabis is uniquely fat-soluble, unlike all other drugs, and stays in your system for weeks, if not months. Uh, so there's a lot of questions around the drug testing procedures that are being used at the moment because they don't test for impairment. Uh, and the Australian Drug Foundation, uh, their um, Grog Watched, published a piece this week calling out the mass mainstream media, or mainstream media, for focusing on ice and focusing on this so-called so ice epidemic, more mostly ignoring alcohol. 
just for some stats, and this is from the Australian Drug Foundation uh, and the Australian Institute of C- uh, Criminology, nearly one in four Australians have reported being verbally abused and close to one in ten Australians physically abused by someone under the influence of alcohol. Yet apparently we have an ice epidemic. And the Herald Sun this week um, had a piece uh, speaking about Alan Tudge. He's an MP, uh, MP from Juan Turner, federal MP, um, and he is the assistant to our new Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull. And uh, Alan Tudge said, Our objective should be to banish drugs from society completely. He also called the issue a cultural problem and said that we need to uh, make cultural change, although I didn't uh, read any quote in there. And I mean, this was a Herald Sun article, so maybe there was some bits omitted that might have uh, showed that he had a slightly less uh, hardline approach. But it sounded like he's a tough-on-drugs man, not interested in li- listening to the people uh, who actually know something about how to solve the problems of substance abuse and and solve the um, uh, associated problems that the black market and prohibition have caused. Uh, so very disappointing to see that out of one of our uh, new ministers so so soon into this apparent new prime ministership. Although just a reminder to ourselves and and to, to myself, I suppose that uh, the leader of the party, the or the leader of the party in the house, the prime minister, uh, doesn't necessarily change the direction of the party itself. Reset.me had a piece this week on psilocybin therapy for alcohol uh, substance use disorders, and we're going to be speaking with Dr. Albert Garcia-Romeo later on in the program about psilocybin therapy for tobacco uh, substance use disorders or smoking addiction, Uh, so we'll hear a bit more about that. Vice published a piece on the drug-using communities coming together to end the war on drugs. So in the US, abstinence-only approaches are disproportionately funded and resourced, uh, despite a track record that isn't very impressive. They they don't have a um, a, a, a huge rate of, of success that stands them apart from other methods of um, reducing people's uh, dependence on uh, certain drugs, including alcohol, or the problems associated with their use of those drugs. Um, also from that vice piece was this quote, people who use drugs or have used drugs rarely have a seat at the table when policy is set and are heard from mainly in the form of stories of sin and repentance. Over in New Zealand, stuff.co.nz has a piece this week calling for consumer-based drug testing, harm reduction initiatives. That's different to the police drug testing used on, on roads. This is testing in order to uh, for, for people to determine the contents of what uh, what their uh, drug is, so that they don't take something which is potentially much more deadly than another drug. Different drugs have different rates of harm associated with them because they're completely different things. So it's good to know, you know, it, people want to know what they're what they're taking, and that is a, a valid harm reduction technique uh, that has been being called for in Australia as well. That would reduce some of these uh, drug deaths that we hear of at festivals all too regularly. And also another one from Vice this week uh, uh, with an article calling for an FDA, that's the Food and Drugs Administration, for recreational drugs because the FDA, much like Australia's TGA, the Therapeutics Goods Administration, is inadequately uh, resourced to deal with recreational substances, which is why in Australia the Therapeutics Goods Administration, which uh, regulates all medicines and all uh, volatile substances and all apparent dangerous drugs and uh, all, all of these sorts of things, they regulate all of those, but they don't regulate consumer alcohol and consumer tobacco. 
or consumer caffeine for that matter. So it just seems a little bit strange. Those things have their own acts. So, you know, it's, it's totally fine, I guess. This is In Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855am digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au, catching up with Dr. Albert uh, uh, Garcia Romeo very soon about psilocybin for treatment for uh, tobacco addiction and uh, also if you're wondering I, I do often have another voice in the room with me uh, that's Ash Ash is off at Burning Seed right now which is Australia's uh, burner community i.e. Burning Man if you've heard of Burning Man they're having an event up in New South Wales at the moment uh, also a couple of other events quickly for you the Free Cannabis uh, Victoria 420 rally for October will be on Sunday the 18th of October uh, from about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You can find the event page on Facebook. Dragon Dreaming is a Australian Capital Territory uh, uh, electronic festival that's happening on the 24th of October. The Rainbow Serpent Festival Urban Gathering is happening at Ceres Environment Park on October the 31st. And uh, right now there is an exhibition on called Rights of Humans in a Digital Age on Brunswick Street at the Brunswick Street Gallery. Uh, Lots of artists there, including, if you've heard of uh, Andy Thomas or The Light Wizard, uh, very interesting, um, very psychedelic imagery in that um, sort of melding... uh, organic-looking things and technological things together uh, in, in quite a, uh, a quite a beautiful manner. Uh, this is Sexy Heavy Battle Sushi.
is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. And while you're at the website, head along to the Encyclopedia program page for links to our Facebook, Twitter, and to our website as well. Lots of the information that we talk about is complemented by our Facebook uh, uh, posts. We uh, post plenty of news and articles, videos, uh, academic pieces if we come across them. So do go and check them out um, if you've got some spare time and want to read something a bit psychedelic. My name's Nick, and um, we're going uh, to be hearing from Dr. Albert Garcia-Romeo very soon about psilocybins and treating tobacco addiction. But first, I've been um, I've been reading an interesting book uh, lately called, uh, called The Psychedelic Future of the Mind by a guy called Dr. Thomas Roberts. He uh, works over in the US, and he's been working since the 80s. He's actually one of the... Um, uh, uh, sort of leading um, university professors who first introduced psychedelic um, uh, psychedelic narratives to the university uh, syllabus over in Illinois, I believe he's, uh, he's in, but I, don't quote me on that. I might have to double-check that one. But uh, Dr. Thomas Roberts has been doing work, my point is, for about 30 years uh, in the realm of um, psychedelics and trying to find out how we can utilise them without, uh, without all the troubles that can come from a, uh, a prohibited environment, a black market, from recreational use and, and sometimes abuse as well. Uh, that can certainly happen with psychedelics as it can happen with anything in our world. We can form abusive relationships, unfortunately, and uh, they lead us down uh, bad roads sometimes. But uh, the key is to find out ways uh, to better ourselves and, and to uh, to find ways to dig ourselves out of that. And that's, that's what Dr. Thomas Roberts... Um, has been writing about, and that's one of his books, the uh, psychedelic future of the mind. Um, he has, is also one of the uh, one of the many stars in an upcoming movie, upcoming documentary that looks into uh, the science of psilocybin. It's called A New Understanding: The Science of Psilocybin, and uh, there'll be many of the world's leading psychedelic researchers talking about psilocybin and its potential uh, sort of game changing uses and uh, in many uh, therapeutic uh, uh, situations. The use of uh, the entheogenic use of psychedelics, that is the religious use of psychedelics and um, their importance. And I'm, um, I just finished a chapter for a, a book called um, The Healing Power of Spirituality. And um, I have a, that same editor has asked me to write books that last year and the year before. I don't know if there's another one coming up or not. I don't know if I want to do that. It's so it's so time consuming. And I'm um I have an article that I need to edit and rewrite on cognitive enhancement using psychedelics. Because the big gap in the field of cognitive enhancement is that I, what I mentioned before, not recognizing the best evidence for chemical cognitive enhancement is in psychedelics, not in, you know, Ritalin or other sort of common drugs. But that idea is very scary to the cognitive science people. They're, they're quite, I think, quite leery, so to speak, of, of, of psychedelics. So, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to... Well, actually, in a sense, what I'm trying to do is to spread the word to various groups and to involve various groups who normally aren't involved in psychedelics. So uh, rather than preaching to the choir, I should try to go out and interest some other people. I'm interested in, in uh, um, PTSD treatment uh, with the MDMA in the Army, so I'm hoping to recruit some interest there. So basically, it's, it's, 
it's uh, education. We're trying to educate into the large society about psychedelics. It's Dr. Thomas Roberts on in psychedelia. Um, he is uh, one of the many people, many scientists, uh, and psychologists and sociologists and all sorts of people that are uh, part of the movie A New Understanding, The Science of Psilocybin. And um, that I, I, I'm not sure if there is a release date on that yet, but it's not far off. Um, the, the producer, they've been uh, amping up um, promotion for the movie and I'm sure we'll have uh, an Australian sc- uh, screening soon. Uh, we'll be speaking, speaking to Dr. Albert Garcia-Romeo next about psilocybin and uh, treating nicotine addiction. Right now, this is Melbourne band Calicoma with the contender on 3CR Community Radio, 855am digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So, I, for an eye, a game of foolish pride, I'll ask why.
This is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Right now we're uh, joined by... Yeah, my name is Dr. Albert Garcia Romeo. I'm research faculty at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. And has been focusing on the area of... Uh, of psychedelic research, especially psilocybin research and addiction. Uh, Dr. Albert, welcome to the program. Hi, how's it going? Good, good. So psilocybin and addiction, uh, let's let's just get straight into it. You've been doing a um, uh, some, some research into how the psilocybin experience, the psychedelic experience elicited through that can help people break patterns of addiction, specifically with tobacco. What, what's, um, how's your research been going there? Uh, well, so far we've done uh, one small pilot study in 15 regular daily smokers who wanted to quit. And uh, we published those results last year and we're working on publishing the long-term results uh, currently. But basically the, the take-home message from the first small pilot study was that in uh, about 15 um, heavy regular smokers uh, who wanted to quit, uh, using psilocybin in combination with some more established treatments like cognitive behavioral therapy um, ended up uh, being very effective uh, for the people that we worked with. And so about 12 of those people uh, were no longer smoking at the end of the treatment. And then uh, about six months after their uh, target quit date, as we call it, um, they were still not smoking, so they're still abstinent. So that's about an 80% success rate. Um, which in smoking cessation research is uh, not very uh, common. Usually people um, using some of the state-of-the-art medications will get maybe 30 to 35 percent uh, of the uh, individuals who take those medications to successfully quit smoking. So uh, we think that the uh, results are very promising. And so we're currently doing a randomized control trial, which is more carefully um, you know, more rigorously uh, conducted uh, trial in which people will be put into one of two treatments. One will be psilocybin and uh, the other will be uh, just the, the use of the nicotine replacement or the patch. So run us through w- what actually uh, the treatment is all about. What happens to somebody? Say I'm, I'm going in and, and going to be part of this, uh, the, the treatment um, program. Obviously psilocybin is a part of it, but what else do uh, patients go through? Uh, so, as I mentioned, there's a component which is really the kind of backbone of the of the treatment, which is called cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, the basic premise of that is that by examining the way that people think about and behave in relation to their smoking, um, that they're able to uh, make some minor changes uh, that will help them along in terms of getting uh, abstinent. And so the cognitive behavioral therapy is a pretty standard talk therapy uh, that you do. And uh, in addition to that, we also um, do a sort of rapport building um, in which we get to know the participant, uh, the people who are going to be guiding the psilocybin session, uh, because uh, it's important that there's a sense of rapport in in order to do a a therapeutic psychedelic session. Um, People need to feel comfortable, obviously, with the guides or with the um, study treatment team that they're working with, and so you know we do a lot of um, a lot of preparation in, in terms of um, getting to know the the volunteers and understanding their life story, uh, where they're at in their life, and what you know what they're looking for 
in terms of uh, quitting smoking, but any other things that are, you know, um, in the front of their psyche at the time. Because, you know, if they're going through a, a breakup or if they're in a job they don't like, those things, uh, even though they're not the focus of the therapy, uh, can certainly come up, obviously, in a psychedelic session. And so we want to be well-situated uh, and have a good sense of, of where the person is at uh, when we do that. So what, what does the, uh, in this overall uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, in, through those sessions, what does the psychedelic experience add to those that you couldn't achieve with just the cognitive behavioral therapy? Um, so it's hard to say right now. We don't have a very uh, precise answer for you, and we've been spending a lot of time interviewing our participants in retrospect to see what they thought of it, uh, as well as, you know, um, writing our own theories, uh, which are out there and published. So if you're, um, you know, reading peer-reviewed research, um, you know, we're, we've been writing about this because we have theories, but we don't know for certain. Um, but the the main thing that seems to be uh, playing a, a role in helping people quit uh, through the psilocybin is um, a sort of, uh, well, we use the term mystical type experience, but um, people have a, a very profound and personally meaningful experience under the influence, and that seems to help them um, reprioritize things uh, such that they're able to uh, realize the relative worth of the cigarette smoking in their life and the relative worth of all the other things that they have to gain. And that provides some um, additional and needed motivation for them to make the change, you know, to becoming a non-smoker. Uh, and, you know, many times for people it all of a sudden becomes a non-issue. Uh, I think one of the um, things that we hear over and over again is that um, they realize that smoking is not important to them and that being with their family is important um, or their health is important. And so uh, when they when they have that uh, very profound, personally meaningful experience under the influence, uh, they come back and say, okay, I now I understand um, you know, what matters to me, and smoking is not one of those things. Yeah. Uh, and I think really, uh, to use a metaphor, the, the cognitive behavioral therapy is sort of, um, you know, going into the garden and weeding and really, um, you know, knocking the dirt around, getting it ready, planting the seeds, and then uh, the psilocybin session is something like a, you know, a big monsoon or storm where you know, the water and then afterwards the sunlight comes out and um, really helps those seeds to, to begin growing. You're listening to 3CR. This is in Psychedelia uh, on 3CR. 3cr.org.au is where we're streaming live, 855am uh, if you're in Melbourne and also on digital. And right, right now we're speaking with uh, doc, Dr. Albert, Albert Garcia-Romeo, uh, who is from John Hopkins University School of Medicine, research associate and postdoctoral fellow. And he has been uh, recently conducting research into using psilocybin from the uh, psilocybin mushrooms, the magic mushrooms, um, as part of an overall uh, psychedelic therapy program to break people's addiction, specifically to break to tobacco addiction. Uh, presumably, if it can break one kind of addiction, it, I mean, it sounds like it's not really interrupting something physio physiological with um, with people's relationship to tobacco. It's It seems to be about people reanalyzing their relationships to themselves and the world around them. And this is a common, um, common 
thread through psychedelic experiences. I think that we we see described in say the the vaults of Arrowhead um, through the uh, the various experiences there. But obviously, using the um, using the therapy model as well, you can kind of um, you can you counter against any of the uh, most of I presume most of the negatives that might be associated with um, uh, some experiences, the anxiety experiences, or you know, it's it's not just giving people some mushrooms and telling them to go to a rave and you know then they, they should just finish smoking, is it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you made a couple of very good points. One is that um, this is not specific to nicotine or tobacco addiction. Um, this model seems to hold true for uh, a number of different drugs of abuse uh, and potentially other kinds of uh, compulsive behaviors. So, uh, and that has been, um, you know, demonstrated by uh, my colleague Dr. Michael Bogenschutz's uh, recent pilot study using psilocybin to treat alcoholism, um, as well as a lot of uh, research in the past, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, using LSD to treat alcoholism. Uh, sometimes quite successfully. Uh, and also, um, my colleague Dr. Peter Hendricks at the University of Alabama at Birmingham is doing the first ever study uh, using psilocybin to try to help treat uh, cocaine addiction. So, uh, we do think that this, is trans this can translate across drugs of abuse. Uh, it's not a physiological um, effect that would, uh, for instance, um, have anything to do with the nicotinic acetylcholine receptors, uh, which is where tobacco and nicotine um, you know, exert their effects. But uh, it does have a physiological effect, um, literally, on the sense of self that the person experiences uh, acutely when they take the drugs. And uh, the researchers who are working out of Imperial College in London, uh, Dr. Robin Carhart-Harris and uh, Professor David Nutt in particular, have done a lot to show uh, that in general, when we're doing our day-to-day life-type tasks, our sense of self is, um, you know, very much wound up in certain networks, uh, activities in the brain, um, and some of those, are, uh, you know, central hubs uh, become, um, their activity is, is decreased by the, uh, by the drug effects. And what you see then is that the normal sense of uh, self is... Uh, altered, you know, uh, which anyone who's taken a psychedelic would probably know. Um, but through that alteration, I do think that there is um, an ability to, in focus therapy and treatment, as you said, not necessarily if you're uh, taking this recreationally, but um, if there's an intention and there's a focus treatment, I think that the, that uh, alteration in the sense of self uh, allows a window of opportunity to make um, you know, uh, very meaningful changes uh, in a person's life, like uh, quitting a drug of addiction, for instance. So do you think there is a uh, leading theory or are there several leading theories at the moment for why, what it is about the psychedelic experience, which is um, uh, allowing people to change like this, what, what it is that, that happens in there? Um, I mean, there's lots of different types of theories. Um, one of them, uh, you know, which is related to that work I was talking about um, in the neuroscience, uh, specifically um, the effects of uh, psilocybin and other psychedelics on what they call the default mode network, uh, which is a network of um, different regions in the brain. Um, and you know, the thinking there, as I mentioned, is, is really that by changing the person's sense of self temporarily, 
um, that it, it may help um, sort of reset the brain in a way uh, so that a person who, for instance, is very depressed or a person who's addicted to some substance uh, is able to get temporarily out of that, uh, have that um, addiction or that depressed thought pattern be interrupted long enough so that when they come back, when the drug effects wear off, um, they're able to gain a foothold and um, move their kind of mental life in the direction that they choose. Um, another hypothesis that I've uh, kind of published recently and I think is uh, an interesting one is that um, what we seem to see here, especially with um, what we're calling these mystical type or transcendent experiences that people have under the influence, is that um, they have an effect during the drug, uh, you know, during the drug action, which lasts six to eight hours, but they have these long-lasting effects afterwards. And um, usually in uh, biomedical research, um, if you're thinking about something therapeutic, for instance, if you uh, get sick, uh, you usually have to take some sort of course of medication. Uh, over time, you get better. Um, but in terms of uh, post-traumatic stress and PTSD, um, you actually have a very solid model in which there's a particular uh, occurrence or event that happens. It's time limited. Uh, so, for instance, if you're a combat veteran and you're at war and you might see something awful or something terrible might happen to uh, one of your brothers in arms, uh, that one time limited uh, experience can have long lasting ramifications and repercussions down the road. Uh, we know that actually that that one single very powerful event can actually cause changes in the wiring of the brain and can also have you know these very detrimental effects in people who have uh, and suffer from post-traumatic stress and I think that uh, in some way the psychedelic experience um, in particular these mystical type experiences seem to work in the opposite direction so they're uh, very short time limited events that um, have these long-lasting beneficial repercussions for people and um, one of the things that we see over and over again with the smokers that we worked with, for instance, is that when we you know, have them come back to talk to us, they say, well, yes, I quit smoking. I haven't smoked in two or three or four years now. And that's great. But, um, you know, it's also affected my relationship with my mother, with my spouse, with my children. Um, you know, it's changed the way that I approach my work. Um, my appreciation for music has really... Um, you know, taken off in a way that I haven't had since I was in my teens. You know, so these these other benefits uh, come about a lot of times for people, and um, I I do think that um, put, putting it in this sort of inverse PTSD model is um, the closest that I can come to explaining it uh, to, for instance, a medical doctor who who doesn't really understand how um, a short drug-induced experience can have these lasting, um, these lasting ramifications. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. This is in Psychedelia, and we're speaking with Dr. Albert Garcia-Romeo uh, about psilocybin and addiction. But um, I just wanted to ask you finally, um, for, uh, if you've got any words of advice for anybody that's listening that might be a fledgling academic sitting at university in a uh, undergraduate and uh, wanting to do something, maybe they uh, have have some interest in psychedelics and they want to want to do something how can people get involved in this area that's still relatively controversial and still has a lot of taboos attached to it 
so first, firstly, I've written a piece which specifically addresses this question. And so I would direct um, anyone who's interested to look it up. It's um, published by MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, who commissioned the piece, asked me to write it, um, and that was published last year. Um, but my, the main points uh, in that uh, were, there, well, there were several. Uh, one being that if you're in academia, that's one particular way in which you might uh, become involved in this. And right now is a very exciting time for this field because, um, you know, we've just seen the first human study of LSD in, um, in about 40 years that was conducted by, um, you know, Peter Gasser in Switzerland. Um, you know, we're seeing um, more clinical research with LSD, more clinical research with psilocybin, um, you know, interest in drugs like ayahuasca, uh, MDMA, uh, salvia divinorum, uh, ibogaine. So there's uh, a whole, and not to mention cannabis. So, I mean, obviously there's a whole gamut of, of drugs that are out there um, that for some time were considered um, basically uh, drugs of abuse with no real medical potential. And uh, the, there has been somewhat of a sea change in uh, that certain uh, prominent and you know respected uh, scientists such as the ones that I've had the pleasure of working with here like Dr. Roland Griffiths and Dr. Matt Johnson uh, have taken the ball and really um, started to run with it and so we are seeing uh, for the first time in decades uh, carefully conducted clinical trials uh, and also other basic neuroscience research uh, conducted around these drugs and so if you're a fledgling academic uh, and you're, you have an interest in the field there's certainly lots of uh, lots of excitement in certain regions, and uh, if you follow through with uh, you know getting either some sort of clinical PhD in psychology, an MD in psychiatry, a PhD in pharmacology, neuroscience, there's lots of different ways of getting into the field. Um, but uh, I also think that it's important to reach out to the people who are doing this work. Uh, most of them are quite busy, but they're also um, very for the most part, the ones that I've spoken to uh, are very open to talking to and encouraging young researchers and scientists uh, who want to, um, you know, contribute to the cause. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, academia is a very narrow focus, um, and so there's not a lot of people want to go get their PhD in pharmacology or, um, you know, do that kind of work per se. And so I think that there's lots of other ways that people can get involved. Uh, so doing things like working in harm reduction uh, or policy type uh, organizations. So we talked a little bit uh, ago about the Drug Policy Alliance, um, you know, and there's also groups like Dance Safe, uh, Zazendo Project. Um, these are groups largely that are based in the U.S., but I'm sure there's have, lots of similar groups. Yeah, um, similar groups in Australia. Uh, PRISM is yeah. the Psychedelic Research in Science and Medicine. Um, EGA runs conferences. Uh, psychedelic conferences around Australia and we've got DanceWise in Victoria um, which is quite similar to Dance Safe, probably uh, less resourced but uh, <laughs> similar sort of concept. Right and so those types of groups as well as uh, you know there's also student organizations like student, uh, Students for Sensible Drug Policy um, so there's all these different ways that people can get involved that I think uh, are really um, you know excellent outlets uh, for folks who are interested in this area uh, and I think the other thing that um, that's important is to, uh, as I as I wrote before, is to you know kind of be a psychedelic citizen. And what that means is you know to take the insights that 
um, you find so compelling from your own experiences with these substances, if that's, you know, if that's where you're coming from, and, and really live from those. So, you know, I think that uh, Dr. Albert Hoffman, who's the discoverer of LSD, um, really saw that um, it wasn't just about the drugs and taking the drugs recreationally, but it, it was about a transformation of consciousness, if you will, um, a change in the way that we relate to one another, and uh, that that is uh, an important insight that, um, you know, people uh, can live uh, in their day-to-day -day -day life in terms of the way that they um, deal with the people around them. So, I mean, it sounds silly, but, you know, being kind and compassionate to, um, you know, the people and the animals and the ecosystem around you um, are just as psychedelic as going to raves or parties. Absolutely. Uh, you know. Absolutely. And Dr. Albert Garcia-Romeo, thank you very much for joining us on Psychedelia today. My pleasure, Nick. To feel peace with this unscribable
Wednesday experiment with Slithering Beast featuring Matsumoto Zoku on 3CR. Uh, community Radio, 855am, digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. You're listening to Encyclopedia right now, and if you head to the 3CR website and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page, you can get in contact with us. Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, and find our website as well, and send us um, a communique in any uh, of those mediums. Completely happy for any of those. That's why we've got them all, all set up. We love your comments, your complaints, your feedback, your content requests. Maybe you're a musician or a poet or somebody that has something to say around the broad themes that we uh, cover, broad themes all around uh, uh, drugs and drug issues, um, but uh, it can be interpreted in a fairly broad manner, I think. Uh, do get in contact with us. Uh, we will be back again from 2 o'clock, 2pm 2 uh, next week uh, uh, on 3CR. In the meantime, you can find a link uh, for this program if you've missed any part of it. Perhaps you missed a bit of the intro. And if you want to get a listen uh, for that, that is on the Encyclopedia program page. Uh, don't forget as well that the rights of human humans in a digital age is an exhibition happening right now with some absolutely beautiful psychedelic uh, uh, art which melds the technologic with the organic. It's happening until the 15th of October at the Brunswick Street Gallery, 322 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. Do go and check it out. We're going to try and get one of the artists onto the show next week to talk a little bit about what exactly um, are the issues surrounding the rights of humans in a digital age. So we'll, we'll try and get uh, in contact with one of them. Uh, Queering Queer the Air is up next on 3CR, and um, we will see you next week. This is Psychedelia. Catch you later. This is Encyclopedia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to Encyclopedia, a 3CR community radio podcast. For more information on anything you've heard in this program, head along to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page.